This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. We'll certainly determine whether it was a season-turning win last week against Philadelphia for the New York Jets. As I've said, not without some good fortune on the other side, some mismanagement by head coach Nick Sirianni, um, some missed throws by quarterback Jalen Hurts, but that's part of the game. You know, I, I had a caller yesterday kind of degrade the Jets' performance last week and say that it was as a result of Philadelphia handing them a win. Nonsense. That nobody hands you a win in the NFL, and if they do, you count your lucky stars and you take advantage of the opportunity and you put the win in the bank and you move forward to next week, and that's exactly what the Jets have done. The Jets have absolutely nothing, nothing to apologize for. They put themselves in position last week against a top team in the NFL where a mistake here or a mistake there by the Eagles would give the Jets a chance to win. And that's exactly what happened. No team, not the Chiefs, not the Bengals, not the 49ers, not the Eagles, is perfect each and every week. When those top teams make mistakes, you have to be ready to capitalize on them, and the Jets were. So now they wait for the Giants next Sunday afternoon at MetLife Stadium, of course, a Giants home game. The Jets at 3-3, three and three, and right, and I mean right in the middle of the playoff picture in the AFC. And it is a very, very crowded playoff picture. But look, the fact of the matter is with this early season schedule, even if Aaron Rodgers had played all six games and the Jets came out of that 3-3, three and three, that would not have been that bad. You know, the goal for the Jets was not to bury themselves through these first six games. And when Rodgers went down four snaps into the season, you didn't even think about the playoffs as a possibility at that point. And then when you saw Zach Wilson throw the three interceptions against Dallas, it got even worse. And then when you saw the three and out after three and out after three and out and the booing at MetLife Stadium and the fan yelling so loud his teeth fell out of his head at Zach Wilson. You figured it couldn't get any worse than that. And then you fall behind 17 to nothing at home on Sunday night against the Kansas City Chiefs with the most famous artist in the world in the building rooting against you. And then all of a sudden, something clicked in the second half of that game. And even though the Jets did not win, okay, you saw enough from Zach Wilson in that game to think that, hmm, this defense is really, really, really good. If we can get competent play from our quarterback, then we could really have a chance this season. By the way, it's similar to what I've been talking about with the Giants, except with the Giants, it's in reverse, all right? With the Giants, you saw such a dominant, not dominant, you saw such a strong performance from their defense last week in Buffalo that it made you think that with just competent offensive play, the Giants could hang around until their offensive line gets healthy. But back to the Jets. Then you go to Denver, and what do playoff teams do? They beat bad teams who are poorly coached and don't waste those opportunities. That's what the Jets did against the Broncos. The Broncos are a bad team, and they are a very, very poorly coached team under Sean Payton. Um, and then, of course, you get the game that you weren't necessarily expecting to get, but winning that game against the Eagles – that just opens up so many different possibilities. For the Jets, this four-game stretch that they're in the midst of that started with their 20-14 to win against Philadelphia last week, Eagles, Giants, Chargers, Raiders. If the Jets can somehow go 3-1, and one, and they're already 1-0, and oh, but if the Jets could somehow go 3-1 and one during that stretch, that would put them at 5-4. and four. 
and they've already beaten the Eagles. So now can you win two of your next three games against the Giants, the Chargers, and the Raiders? That puts you at 5-4. and four. That means you are, around Thanksgiving, clearly in playoff contention. Or you can win all three of these games. Because I talk about the Giants playing Washington right now and the Jets next week, right? Winnable game, winnable game. Let's do the same thing for the Jets. Giants next week, winnable game. Jets will probably be favored. Chargers on Monday night football at home, winnable game. Chargers will probably be favored. People love um, Justin Herbert. Winnable game. And then the following Sunday, the 12th of November, Sunday night, NBC in Las Vegas against the Raiders, winnable game. So why not win all three of those? You've already won the most difficult one of the four, and that was the Eagles. So now the Jets are, you know, it's kind of fun. It's been a while. Jets fans got to experience this last year. I think it's been somewhat lost in the disappointment of how the season ended. But don't forget, Jets fans got to do something last year that they hadn't been able to do or hadn't had to do in years, and that was scoreboard watch. You know, the Jets right now at 3-3, three and three, that puts them, in terms of the AFC playoff picture, just on the outside looking in. The division leaders are the Chiefs and the Dolphins both at 5-1. and one. The Jaguars at 5-2. And, and the Ra- uh, the Ravens, excuse me, at 4-2. Fi- and two, Soon to be 5-2. And, and then the three wild card spots. You have Buffalo at 4-2. and two, You have Pittsburgh at 3-2. And, and you have Cleveland at 3-2. and two. So the Jets are half game out of a playoff spot right now. But so are a million other teams. Colts are 3-3. Three and three. Texans are 3-3. Three and three. Raiders are 3-3. Three and three. Bengals are 3-3. Three and three. The Chargers are 2-3. and three. So all of those teams are right there with the Jets. So who's playing right now that's of particular interest to the Jets and their fans? The Raiders are, and they're playing with a backup quarterback, Brian Hoyer, and they've only mustered a field goal through three quarters in Chicago against the Bears. It's 21-3. The Bears lead the Raiders. Raiders are 3-3. Three and three. So that would be a huge lift for the Jets. If the Raiders lose a game in Chicago, Jimmy Garoppolo's not playing. Justin Fields is also not playing. At quarterback, and I mentioned this guy's name earlier for the Bears, and excuse me, I have to look it up again. Tyson Badgent is starting at quarterback for the Bears. He played at Division II Shepherd College. He's the fourth Division II quarterback to start an NFL game over the last 20 years. The last one to do it actually had a pretty good NFL career, and that was John Kitna, who played for the Seahawks and the Bengals. So the Bears have a 21-3 lead over the Raiders, but the Raiders are driving as they begin the fourth quarter. They have a third down at the Chicago 9-yard line. The Browns and the Colts are playing each other. Browns at 3-2, and two, Colts at 3-3. Three and three. It's been a back-and-forth game. Early in the third quarter, 11 minutes to go in the third, the Browns have a 27-21 lead over the Colts. Again, both teams playing without their quarterbacks. No Deshaun Watson for Cleveland. They've got P.J. Walker. Anthony Richardson's out for the season, so it's Gardner Minshew for the rest of the way. The Patriots are still holding on and leading the Bills. They've now moved into the fourth quarter in Foxborough at 16-10, to and the Pats have the ball. So the Bills were down 13-3. to They got the opening kickoff of the second half. They marched right downfield, got into the end zone, made it 13-10, to but it stopped right there. The Patriots have a good defense. They have no offense. But they do have a good defense. And again, Josh Allen today, just 185 yards, a touchdown, and one interception. 
Not a lot. Not a lot of production. 35 to nothing Ravens now over the Lions midway through the third quarter. As I said earlier, it's not going to significantly impact the Lions season going forward, but a bit of a wake-up call because when a team like the Lions, which had preseason expectations and has a bit of a soft early season schedule, takes advantage of that schedule early, gets out of the gate quickly, is 5-1, and one, People tend to ask, well, are they as good as the other 5-1 and one teams? Well, the other 5-1 and one teams are the Dolphins, who right now have an historic offense, the Chiefs, who are the reigning Super Bowl champs, the Eagles, who almost won the Super Bowl last year, and the 49ers, who, injuries aside, might be the most complete team in the NFL. So the answer to the question, are the Lions in that class, was probably no even before the game, and now the answer is a resounding no. But the Lions have a couple of game lead in their division. The Packers are in second place at 2-3. and three. So the Lions already had a two-game lead. And look, next week they host the Raiders, then they're at the Chargers, and then they host the Bears, and then they host the Packers, then they play at the Saints and at the Bears, host the Broncos. I mean, it's a very, very easy schedule. The Lions could still go 13-4 and four this year. They really could. But they're not in the class of, you know, it's, it was very similar to Minnesota last year. You know, Minnesota was 13-4. Was and four. I think they had that exact record. And, you know, they had the third seed in the NFC, and people were wondering, are they in the class of Philadelphia or San Francisco or Dallas? And as the Giants helped prove in the playoffs, the answer was no. But for Detroit, getting into the playoffs, winning a division, that team never wins the division. I think 1990-91 was the last time they even won a division. They don't win the division because the Packers always win that division. They won it with Brett Favre. And then they won it with Aaron Rodgers every single year. Once in a while, like last year, the Vikings would sneak in and win the division, but the Lions don't win the division. All right, other games of interest for Jets fans. The Steelers in Los Angeles against the Rams. All right, clearly a team that Jets fans can root for, and that one, it's the Rams. The Steelers are 3-2. and two. Their offense has done very little this season. They have an excellent defense. Rams are kind of the opposite. They have a good offense. They have a lot of pieces on offense, not a strong defense. They have an excellent offensive play caller. In Sean McVay. Cardinals and Seahawks, not of particular interest to the Jets, Packers, and Broncos. Broncos are certainly not in contention for any kind of a playoff berth. And then the Chargers at the Chiefs, and clearly uh, the Jets are pulling for the Chiefs in that one. Let the Chiefs run off and get their number one seed and win the AFC West as they do every single year, but the Chargers are two and three. And the Chargers should probably be like four and one, but they're coached by Brandon Staley. All five of their games this year have been decided by seven points or less, and they always play the Chiefs tough, and they usually lose to them because most teams usually lose to the Chiefs. But every game so far this year for the Chargers has been decided by seven points or less, and that's not where you want to be when you were a team coached by Brandon Staley because more often than not, you're not going to pull those games out. Meanwhile... And this was a stat that ESPN had that I found particularly interesting. Patrick Mahomes making his 53rd home start today at Arrowhead. That includes the playoffs. It's the 52nd time that his Chiefs were favored. The only time Patrick Mahomes started for Kansas City and they were home and they were an underdog was last year when they played the Bills in the regular season. And I think the Bills went into Arrowhead and won that game. And that would have set them up potentially for the number one seed in the AFC. But then, of course, the Bills lost that game when it was suspended and not resumed uh, when DeMar Hamlin went into cardiac arrest just after the new year. But 52 times out of 53 at home, 
Patrick Mahomes a favorite, as he is today, as the Chiefs take on the Chargers. Jets fans will be pulling hard for the Chiefs in that one because they're in direct competition with the Chargers. Sunday night game is well, it's going to be exciting. The Dolphins in Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. Terrific defense against terrific offense. Two five and one teams. And then the Monday night or tomorrow, the 49ers in Minnesota to take on the Vikings. That loses a lot of its juice because there is no Justin Jefferson. We'll see how Kirk Cousins does without his biggest weapon. Cousins, man, the guy can play. He really can. You know, he, he's won more games than he's lost throughout his career. He won 13 games last year. He just he puts up numbers. And again, he's got the best wide receiver in the NFL. Not right now, but he has this year. He did last year. He did the year before. But he's already thrown for nearly 1,700 yards this year with 14 touchdowns and four interceptions. The guy puts up terrific numbers every year. You know, if you watch that documentary on Netflix, Quarterback, and uh, if you watched it or if you heard about it, you likely came away feeling that Kirk Cousins was the quote-unquote big winner in that because he's a guy who probably was a little more maligned than he should have been throughout his career because he was never able to win the big game. You know, he would do just enough to get you to the playoffs and then lose a playoff game in frustrating fashion. Exactly what happened to his team last year when the Giants beat them in the wild card round in Minnesota when they were 13-4 and four and couldn't win a playoff game despite being at home. That's who he's been his entire career. But if you watch that documentary, he literally came off as like the best guy in the world. Um, like just a genuine nice guy to his teammates, to um, his coaches, to workers, to fans, to his family. I mean, just an incredibly, genuinely nice guy. So I think a lot of people are on board with Kirk Cousins. But if you saw that documentary, then you should not be surprised at all that Kirk Cousins does not want to be traded. He has a no-trade clause. This is, I believe, the last year of his contract. I, I could name four teams right now, one of them here in New York, that would love to have him as their starting quarterback the rest of the year. But he's got a family. He's got a house. He's got a life in Minnesota. He came across, and look, hey, if you're a football fan, a diehard football fan, you could take this any way you want. It could be a positive or a negative. I think in the grand scheme of life, it's, it's a positive to have a certain level of perspective. Um, he does not want to move his family for a couple of months to pursue a Super Bowl championship. And that's, look, when you sign a no-trade clause, that's the decision that you are allowed to make. But, boy, Kirk Cousins um, on a team that, you know, how about, you know, the Colts, for example, although Gardner Minshew seems to be doing okay. If it's for only one year, if you can pluck a Kirk Cousins onto your roster as an upgrade over what you have, boy, what an upgrade that would be. But it seems like that's going to be a moot point. Well, here's some reaction from the Jets. How are they approaching this bye week? Um, we'll also hear from their former coach, Rex Ryan. Is what he's seeing now similar at all to the teams that he coached to so much success now more than a decade ago in New York? Giants up 14-7. to It's getting late in the third quarter. Washington has the ball. Four minutes to go in quarter number three at MetLife Stadium as the Giants look for their second win of the season. And, of course, your calls on anything and everything. Week 7, NBA, anything on your mind on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Rolled out, had a wide open receiver open just beyond the first down marker and the throw was high and out of the reach of Wandell Robinson off of his fingertips so once again the Giants leaving that door ajar 
Look, Washington's only seven points came on a result of Sterling Shepard muffing a punt at the Giants' 21-yard line and giving the ball to the Commanders in prime position. In the first half, they did absolutely nothing offensively. They moved it a little bit better in the second half, but despite the fact that the Giants have outgained them so significantly, it is still a one-possession game, and Washington just got the ball back on a punt. All right, so back to the Jets, because a week from now, it'll be Giants-Jets at MetLife Stadium. Of course, you could hear that right here on 98.7 ESPN New York. Jets with their bye week on their two-game winning streak, coming off their biggest win of the season. Star wide receiver Garrett Wilson, his weekly spot with Barton Hahn. What will be the mentality for he and his teammates coming off the bye week? We want to be hitting our stride right now and and, and at that point be playing or uh, when the time comes we'll be playing our best football in December rolling to the playoffs so that's the mindset and going into this by coach it told us you know this is about you personally you know you how you can attack it and get get yourself to be your best which will result in the team being at its best that's what we got to do you know we got to be playing our best football we, we still got to figure out how to put it together in the right zone and, and you know, we feel like on, on the offensive side of the ball, once we do that, we have a good offense. You know, the defense has been playing great football. So for them, it's how do we maintain this? How do we, you know, get the ball out more, whatever it may be. But, um, you know, we each have our own our own little mission, you know, a little chase that we're on and to help us, you know, to get to our team success, you know, the overall goal. You know, if you're the Jets, you, you kind of just write off the first three games of the season, considering what this season was supposed to be with Aaron Rodgers as your starting quarterback. And you were very, very fortunate, as we know, to win that opener on Monday night against Buffalo, thanks largely to, to Josh Allen's efforts. But you come through those first three games at one and two and, and really not much, not much hope for this season. And then, of course, you start down 17 to nothing at home on Sunday night to the Chiefs, and it's looking even worse. And the first sign, because the Jets' defense against the Pats was great. Okay, the Jets' defense against the Bills was great. Um, the first sign that, hey, maybe there is something that could help out this defense came in the second half of that Chiefs game with the performance of Zach Wilson. And, all right, Zach hasn't – it was by far the best he's ever looked. He has not reached the high level that he performed at in the second half of that game against Kansas City, but he hasn't needed to especially against Denver. You know, a lot of people looked at that Denver game and said, oh, they should have won by more. Denver's a terrible team. And that's true. Denver is a terrible team. But it's not about style points right now for the Jets' offense. It's doing just enough to – it's funny. The two teams, the Giants and Jets, what we're watching right now with the Giants trying to hold on against Washington and what the Jets need to do to be successful, um, it's a very similar formula. It's just do enough to support – the better side of the ball on your team, which for both teams is the defense. The Jets' defense is top-notch. They won the Buffalo game, yeah, because Josh Allen turned the ball over a lot, but the Jets forced those turnovers. They won the Eagles game because, yeah, Jalen Hurts turned the ball over a lot, but the Jets forced those turnovers. So Zach Wilson, I liked what he did in the Denver game. Now, he made that costly interception late. That ended up not being costly because they did win the game. It could have been costly, Um those are the areas where he needs to clean up. Even the Kansas City second half where he was phenomenal, but he did make that one crucial mistake. He took his eye off the ball on the snap, fumbled the snap, Kansas City recovered, and the Jets never got the ball back. And I, I think he's learning. I hope he is, but I do think he is. That that's when you're going to play in this league at a high level for a team where the expectations are high, 
Those are the types of mistakes that you cannot afford to make. ESPN's Dan Orlovsky, this past week on the Michael K Show, he likes the progress that he has seen from Zach Wilson. Oh, absolutely. We're watching a transition, a transformation. So he gets drafted number two because of talent, right? The injury happens to Aaron Rodgers. And rightfully so, we got to go get a quarterback. We got to go get a people's vision of it. Like, no, 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 no. All they need is a Kirk Cousins. They need a game manager. Zach Wilson is becoming that for this football team. And that's enough because this defense is really, really good. And... I said this yesterday, I want to repeat it, with Robert Sala, because I had a couple of callers um, critical of the Jets' head coach. There's areas to be critical of him for sure. His game management leaves a lot to be desired. I cited the example last week of after the interception when Philadelphia wanted the Jets to score, the Jets like waltzed into the end zone with a minute and 45 to play and gave the Eagles time with timeouts to come down and win that game on the back end of that. It didn't cost the Jets because they have a terrific defense. And that's where this head coach deserves credit because um, before he got here, the Jets, they didn't have anything. They didn't have offense. They didn't have defense. They didn't have a quarterback. They didn't have a line. The one thing, what's the identity of the Jets, you would ask right now? The identity of the Jets is they've got a great defense. They've got a great defensive line. They have a great secondary, and they have more than adequate linebackers. And as a unit, now they're forcing turnovers. They were a terrific defensive group last year. That's the identity of this Jets team. That's why you don't necessarily need a Kirk Cousins. I mean, would that be nice? Would an Aaron Rodgers be nice? Yeah, of course those things would be nice. But really, for the first time, you can kind of think of the possibility of winning with Zach Wilson as your quarterback for the reasons that Dan Orlovsky laid out. Now, Rex Ryan, former Jets coach, took him to back-to-back AFC Championship games 2009-2010. He knows better than anyone that this can work and be successful for this franchise. So Rex also, on Barton Hahn, asked if this is the blueprint, adequate enough quarterback play, and a stellar defense is the blueprint for the current Jets similar to the one for his Jets. Absolutely. It is the blueprint, old nine. And that's what I'm so excited about. Like, I love the fact people wrote this team off. And, oh, well, they don't have Aaron Rodgers. They don't care. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, yes, they wish Aaron Rodgers was playing. Don't get me wrong. But they'd be damned. They ain't hunting on the season because he's not playing. And I think it kind of fuels this team a little bit. And it always reminds me of the old Muhammad Ali. I'm going to show you how great we are, you know, how great I am. And I think that's what this team's all about. They're all about saying, hey, you know what? Uh, this, this might be too much for a lot of teams to overcome, but it ain't too much for us to overcome. And I feel that about this team. That's the approach that they've taken so far. And for that as well, the head coach, Robert Sala, deserves a lot of credit. Meanwhile, Washington appears to have completed a 50-plus yard touchdown reception. It might have to be looked at. If it stands, they're an extra point away from tying this game. We'll update you next on 98.7 ESPN New York. This This is the Pat O'Keefe Show. And four minutes to play in the fourth quarter. Huge uh, result there for the Jets. The Raiders are 3-3, three and three, and one of the teams that came into this week tied in the standings with the Jets just on the outside looking in of the AFC playoff picture. 
two of those other such teams have been involved in a wild game so far. The Colts and the Browns in Indianapolis. They've gone back and forth all afternoon, and there's still 14 minutes left in this game. Right now it's 31-30. to The Colts on top of the Browns. A couple of backup quarterbacks playing in this game. Deshaun Watson actually uh, saw some time, but it's been P.J. Walker for much of the game for Cleveland. He was 8 for 17, passing for 83 yards. Gardner Minshew of Indianapolis, not much better. 14 out of 21 for 230 yards. Jonathan Taylor has a touchdown run. Jerome Ford has a touchdown run. So does Kareem Hunt for Cleveland, a touchdown run. So it's Indianapolis 31 Cleveland 30, still plenty of time to go in the fourth quarter of that game. In New England, Buffalo on a third and goal play from the one-yard line, coming out of the two-minute warning, just got into the end zone. Josh Allen took it up the middle for a one-yard touchdown run. The Bills now lead 23-22. to They are going for two, and they are successful. So Buffalo leads the Patriots well, 25 to 22, there is a flag on the play, so we'll see if that two-point conversion stands up for the Bills. So New England led that game 13 to 3 at halftime. They led 16 to 10 into the fourth quarter. They've been leading all afternoon. Buffalo just took its first lead of the game. It appears that the two-point conversion is going to stand. Yes. The penalty was against the defense. So the Patriots will get the ball back, trailing by three with a minute and 58 to go in the fourth quarter in Foxborough. Pats are one and five. Uh, maybe this is the kind of comeback win, if the Bills can complete it, that would help send their season back in the right direction because Buffalo had been struggling uh, tremendously with their loss in London, barely beating a depleted Giants team last week when they were 15-point favorites, and then trailing all afternoon until just now in New England against the Patriots. The Ravens wrapped up a 38-2. No, I'm sorry, they didn't wrap it up. There's about four minutes left. For all intents and purposes, it's wrapped up. It's 38-6. Ravens over the Lions in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson, let me check this, will improve now to 16-1 in his career against NFC opponents. He went 21 for 27 for three touchdowns, 357 yards, also ran for 36 yards and a touchdown. So, the Ravens, not a team that a lot of people had been talking about or have been talking about. They will now after this performance. They're going to improve to 5-2, and two, and Detroit will fall to 5-2. and two, And the Lions, regardless of what happens later on with Green Bay, will still be set up in first place in the NFC North. And then in the NFC South, everybody except for the Panthers, and by everybody I mean the Falcons, the Buccaneers, and the Saints are all going to be fighting all season long for that division title. The Falcons are 3 and 3, the Bucks are 3 and 3. The Saints already lost in brutal fashion on Thursday night. They're 3 and 4. So all three of those teams are going to be going at each other all season long. Huge game right now in Tampa. The Bucks have the ball, but they trail 13 to 10 with two and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Bucks trying to drive to get into field goal range to try to tie the game or perhaps win it here late in the fourth quarter behind Baker Mayfield, who's thrown for 267 yards with a touchdown and an interception. So that's what's going on right now. Uh, New England will get the ball back on the kickoff, try to drive and answer the Buffalo Bills, who just took a three-point lead in Foxborough. The 405-425 games. 
about 15 minutes from now, the Steelers are in Los Angeles to take on the Rams at SoFi Stadium. Pittsburgh 3 and 2, the Rams at 3 and 3, and then you have the Cardinals at the Seahawks. Cardinals are 1 and 5. They're starting to come back to earth a little bit. Uh, they started the season playing very competitive football. They lost a tough season opener to Washington. And then Giants fans remember the Week 2 game where the Giants had to have that massive comeback to beat them 31-29. to And then the Cardinals turned around and handed the Cowboys a pretty convincing loss ever since then. They've come back to earth a little bit, more than a little bit. They're 1-5. Seattle is 3-2. and two. Seattle's fine. You know, Seattle is, they're, they're what they were last year, except this year the expectations for Seattle were to probably be a little bit better. You know, people thought that maybe they could contend for the NFC West division title. They're certainly not in the class of the 49ers. But in the NFC where there's not a ton of depth, Seattle is, it's a playoff team. It's probably a sixth seed. It's probably a seventh seed. They'll go on the road in the wild card round. They'll lose in San Francisco. They'll lose in Philadelphia. They'll probably lose by about 10 points, and their season will end. They're basically what they were last year. Packers and Broncos, who cares? It brings back memories of Brett Favre uh, and John Elway in Super Bowl 32 many, many, many years ago when Elway finally got his first Super Bowl championship. Chargers and Chiefs, they always play close games. First of all, the Chargers always play close games against everybody and especially against the Chiefs. Chargers, if they lose this game and they're on the road and they haven't been good in close games so far this year, they lose this game, they're going to be 2-4. and four. The Chiefs, ever since that opening night, continue to roll. They're 5-1. and one. They probably should be 6-0. and oh. Some key drops, one of which led to a pick six on opening night against Detroit. The only thing standing in between the Chiefs and an undefeated season so far. And then the Dolphins and the Eagles, the marquee matchup tonight from Philadelphia. Two 5-1 teams. Dolphins on top of the AFC East. Eagles on top of the NFC East. Meanwhile, in Foxborough, New England just converted a third down and eight. And they're driving. They're already in field goal range. And Mac Jones just stood tall in the pocket with the rush bearing down on him and threw a terrific pass across the middle to his open tight end, Hunter Henry, who picked up the first down. There's 48 seconds left there. You figure at a minimum, New England's going to have a makeable field goal attempt to try to tie the game and send this into overtime. And who knows, with 48 seconds left, plenty of time in striking distance already inside the red zone, plenty of time to try to take a couple of cracks at the end zone if you are the New England Patriots. So that would be a damaging loss for the Bills after they spent all afternoon climbing uphill. Mac Jones, by the way, is 11 for 12 passing in the second half. So they have it at the 25-yard line. So not quite in the red zone, but just outside at the 25-yard line, first down and 10 for the Patriots, trailing 25-22 to 22 to the Bills. Jones has to take care of the football. He hasn't, well, he hasn't turned the ball over a ton. He just hasn't been able to move the ball. That's been the biggest problem this year. Um, the Bill Belichick story, it was reported earlier uh, today on NFL Network, and um, we'll, we'll, after the break, we'll play a cut on this. But um, essentially, in the offseason, on, on the sly, somewhat on the down low, Robert Kraft, the Patriots, and Bill Belichick agreed upon a contract extension. And it was termed a lucrative contract extension, which you would expect it to be because 
any contract that Bill Belichick signs with his body of work should be a lucrative contract. But that really does complicate things as far as Belichick's options this offseason. So does this game, by the way. But at 1-5, and and the Patriots, who have 23 seconds left and continue to drive on the Bills, the Patriots at times this year have looked like the worst team in the AFC. They've looked like the worst team in the NFL, perhaps, outside of the Carolina Panthers. There's a thought that it's time for Bill Belichick to move on. Now, Belichick is so close to the all-time NFL wins record that's currently held by Don Shula, and the thought is that he wants that record, that it's important to him that he wants to continue coaching even if it's not in New England, if it's determined that it's best for Belichick and the Patriots to go their separate ways after the season, okay, where would be a landing spot for Bill Belichick? One of the first names that comes up usually is the L.A. Chargers because they're a talented team. And under Brandon Staley, as their head coach, the Chargers just have not been able to get it done. Quick update on this Bills-Patriots game. The Bills completed the ball down to the one-yard line. There was a flag on the play. It was pass interference against the defense, so that's a moot point. So Buffalo's one yard away with 18 seconds to go. Uh, Excuse me, the Patriots are one yard away with 18 seconds to go from tying that game. But if the Bills, uh, if the Patriots win this game and um, Bill Belichick has just signed this quote-unquote lucrative contract extension, well, it doesn't sound like it's going to be that easy to part ways with him after the season. But Bill Belichick in Los Angeles coaching a guy like Justin Herbert and I've been on this a long, a long time for Herbert. I'm finally glad that a lot of people seem to be uh, catching up to this line of thinking. But I continue to wonder what exactly Justin Herbert has done in his young career to be considered, as he is by many, to be a top five quarterback in the NFL. What exactly is it that he's done? Because I look at the other guys that are you know, in that neighborhood, top five quarterbacks in the NFL. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes. You don't need to tell me what he's done. I got it. I'm good there. Joe Burrow has been to a Super Bowl, been to a few AFC championship games. If a couple balls bounced differently last year, he probably would have gone back to the Super Bowl. I understand why he's in that category. I understand why Josh Allen's in that category. He brings his team to the playoffs every year. They win 10 games every year. Last year, notwithstanding, they usually make deep runs to the playoffs, at least to the second round, sometimes to the AFC championship game. I understand why Josh Allen is in that class. I um, understand why Jalen Hurts, even this early in his career, is in that class because he went to the Super Bowl last year and was the best player on the field in the Super Bowl, albeit in a losing effort. You know, Justin Herbert's been to the playoffs once. He blew a 27-0 lead his one time in the playoffs. His teams, week after week, year after year, underperform. They do not meet expectations. So why is he considered a top five quarterback in the NFL? Well, maybe if he's paired with, I don't know, the greatest coach of all time, maybe he could get into that upper echelon of top five quarterbacks. Second and goal for the Patriots and a touchdown reception with 12 seconds to go. So they take the lead over the Bills. Could be a damaging loss for Buffalo. We continue to follow Week 7 on 98.7 ESPN New York.